Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Check out my summer picks. Here I'm at Total Wine for rosés and Zinfandels. Cool. Here's my boyfriend picking craft beers. Does he work there? Oh, he's more than a summer fling. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hello, my name is Dave the Hammer Hanrady, and there will be no encore. That's right, that's a nickname that I got for myself an hour ago, and I said I would say it on the show, so there it is. From whom did yeah, you what? get it? Well, I kind of gave it to myself when I was talking to a friend of the show, Zara Hederman. You're not allowed to give nicknames to yourself. I gave myself a different nickname before. Hold on, do we dare ask what the hammer refers to? She punched me on the arm when she was giving me a pep talk. So you punched her back and you were like, don't mess with the hammer! <laughs> no, she said, you did that to me before, and I said, no I didn't, I would never do that. But it turns out I did. Right. Wow. And I said, I worked, I said, well, you know, that's what Dave the Hammer Hanrady does. Can we something. call you MC Hammer at the live show we're I'd going like to do, to do next do month? none of these things, oh. but I would like you to talk more about the live show. Oh, yeah. Especially next, on Twitter, Greg. Next month. <laughs> I'm off the social medias right now, All but right. I'll come back storming in with the best promo you've ever seen. Like this, Thursday, <laughs> September 28th, No Encore Live 2, The Bloodening? Did we come up with a... The Return. The Return. The sequel. The sequel. The second show. Mm-hmm. In Whelan's this time, which we're very excited about. Mm-hmm. I'm very you? excited yeah, about Whelan's. Expe- especially excited. You're just happy to say that you're headlining Whelan's. Yeah, of course. Yeah, basically. I'm headlining, done. but you're not on the poster. <laughs> That's the first draft of the poster, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. He's the C in No Encore. <laughs> so what's happening on the night, lads? On the night, uh, we are going to have performances from Overhead the Albatross, from Dahi, and from Elaine May. Mm-hmm. Uh, cracking lineup. The Holy Trinity. Very, very pleased. It's a mixture indeed. of chat and music. And yeah, so they think will be Blues Holland without me playing. Blues Tom Holland. Jules Holland. I think it's Blues Holland. Did I? Is it, that's like your name. That's what his name should be, right? <laughs> it's going to be your character for the evening. Don't, don't. Blues Holland Rhythm and Jules Band. Don't pigeonhole him into blues. That guy can turn his hand to anything. <laughs> 
he won't be there because no. he's he's barred from the show. <laughs> and he knows so yeah, why. look, listen, if you're coming to the show, it's a live mixture of live music and live chat. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of the podcast, please don't say crack August Gill. Please don't say crack. <laughs> <laughs> Toe tapping talents <laughs> on the show. Uh, there'll be a good mixture of us doing our usual podcast heroics, and there'll be plenty of time for the acts that are playing. So everyone's going to get a good fair shout. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's part of the Dublin Podcast Festival, the first ever. Mm. We're obviously the jewel in the crown, and you should be coming to us. So tickets are on sale now. They're on Ticketmaster, and they're moving pretty fast. So what I would say is get involved, get yourself over. Get onto the information superhighway and uh, take out the credit card or whatever the fuck it is that you use to talk do. us through the whole process. <laughs> yeah. <type>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a captcha thing to prove that you're not a robot. Check so. those three digits at the back of the card. You'll find it. Sometimes yeah. they wipe off, but you might have to like you know pick a bunch of road signs to show that you're a human being. Yeah. But at the same time, th- those road signs will take you on a destination. <laughs> <laughs> to Wheelands of Wexford Street on September the 28th and you'll hear great stuff like this so I've, I've, I've definitely talked to people into returning their tickets haven't I? I think so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, while you're at it as well though uh, do support the rest of the podcast festival um, mm. pick up a few tickets for the other supporting shows that are on the bill and next to us um, S-Town and business like that you know Scrooby, never heard Scrooby's of it Pip, Scrooby's they, they deserve your support as well yeah they need it yeah, most importantly, don't go to any other gigs that are on on the 28th, apart from ours. We'll yeah. see you there. Sure nothing's on, is it? No, no, no. no, no, no. no. It's a very, very quiet night of the week for live music and stuff. <laughs> which we knew about in advance, didn't we, lads? Uh, so anyway, nonetheless, I picked up a book this week, guys, which I've started reading. Oh, mm-hmm. snap. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, I picked up, it's the um, like the entire guide to Saturday Night Live, as told by everyone who ever worked on the show ever. No, I hear it's very good. And I'm not that far into it, but it's very interesting so far, and I've heard it gets better and better. It's kind of a tell-all, you okay. might say. And uh, yeah, most people seem to have enjoyed it quite well. But there's another tell-all book, a brand new one on the horizon that we've talked about on the show before, which, Craig, I can only presume that you've already got. Uh, no, I've got it ordered. Okay. So I think it arrives in early August, which is now kind of. It should be here next week, maybe. Yeah. It's meet called... me in, yeah, sorry. Meet me in the bathroom. It's uh, Lizzie Good, Goodman's new book on essentially the kind of turn of the century New York. Um, What was the term? New rock revolution kind of scene. Uh, spearheaded, I guess, by the Strokes. Um, Obviously, as you can imagine, they would feature prominently and they've had a lot to say. It sounds like a real... Real warts and a all real page turner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. I can't wait to read this. Couldn't book. put it down, Craig Fitzpatrick. Um, yeah, it was serialized in was a Rolling Stone, New York Magazine. It was New York Magazine, and we discussed that passage or chapter or whatever it is that they had excerpted because it contained fairly damaging statements from the Strokes and from people connected to the Strokes about Ryan Adams sort of leading Julian Casablancas down a dark path. Yeah, well, I, th- I believe it was actually Albert Hammond Jr. who had his kind of drug problems over the years and um, Julian kind of called out Ryan Adams and said, you know, he got close at times to, you know, punching his lights out. Suggestion being that um, Ryan was leading poor Albert astray um, and just kind of like with the with the excerpts we've seen where kind of Ryan is chiming in as well, but clearly individual interviews, it painted a really bad picture of Ryan Adams. Mm. And clearly he's now picked up the book because he took to Twitter this week. He went a bit Donald um, Trump yeah. here. Um, since now, deleted, of since course. Since deleted tweets. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's more kind of Anthony Scaramucci, but go on. Took aim at like most of the strokes. Uh, let's let's read a few of them. Um Albert, you know, Albert Hammond is a more horrible songwriter than his dad, if that's possible. Rains <laughs> in Southern California and washes out the dirt. So obviously, we know all about his dad and it never rains in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What other songs do you have? To all the girls I loved before, didn't you do that? 
I don't know. Was I that think, him? Yeah, I think that's <laughs> him. That's cracker, yeah. Um, he also <laughs> had a tweet that said, Julian Casablancas, who got you strung out on lasagna, though. Oof. You really took a... Uh, you took offence to this. Well... Yeah, I mean, fat-shaming was a bit much. I understand he's upset about being, you know, painted as some kind of pusher man, but uh, Julian Casablancas isn't even fat. In real time, though, (laughs) we're getting updates from Craig being like, this isn't so bad, and then, wait, did he just call Julian fat? He's dead dead to me. (laughs) I know, I love that. So Craig's Um, still sticking up for his boy. Yeah, there were some that I kind of had to chuckle a bit at. I mean, there was one that isn't on this, but it was um, what was it? Something like um, last impressions of actual songs. That yeah, was good. That, that, that was, was good. And also, he said I should have forced them yeah. to get addicted to writing better songs. <laughs> Too bad the Killers did it for them. Ouch! Yeah. Keeping those references dated as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Jesus. The other thing that I was going to mention is like, and you said you know he's taking aim at most of the Strokes. I mean, like you na- you mentioned two of them right there. Do you think you get insulted if you're a part of the band that he doesn't name explicitly in this Twitter tirade? Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know. Albert, Julian, and the, the other three. Yeah, yeah. You Nikolai at the back with your haircut. Um, how do we? How do we? Do we understand why he reacted in such a way? Of I mean, course. he says it should be pointed out. He says in the book that um, he never g- g- would have given a bag of heroin to Albert. So it should be bared in mind. Well, he's very active on Twitter. He speaks his mind. Yeah, he does. I can only presume this is one of those just like off the cuff, whatever. And then later on, someone, probably his management, were like, "Do you want to maybe like delete those?" But he's got a cause in the storm here and there. And there is kind of a, you know, he used Liam Gallagher's As You Wear <laughs> thing, which Liam Gallagher does whenever he goes on a bit of a rant. So there's a bit of a knowing thing, perhaps. Yeah. But or, to me, Ryan Adams has always been a bit of a circus clown. Like, he's always kind of been a little bit of like a, you know, I'll say anything because I'm edgy, man. He's kind of precocious, isn't he? He seems a bit bratty. And he's oh, had his ups and downs. Yeah, very talented yeah, yeah. dude. But even like... When they were hanging, like when they were hanging out back in the day, it was very clear that he was a bit of a hanger on with the Strokes. and was trying to get some of that cool kind of cachet. Yeah, he was the uh, Dave Mustaine to Metallica, <laughs> very much so, <laughs> like yeah. version for um, New York so in I think, the two thousands. Yeah, he feels back in the slight. day as well. He was even more of just a dick, like you know the story of just no, no, but like the story of live gigs, you know, where he just like storm off if people were talking, or yeah. when he had somebody ejected for rejecting or for requesting a Brian Adams song. So he's a real a Damien Rice, is he? <laughs> Does he pull that sort of shit? Oh, he's definitely been like, hey lads, stop talking, which to be fair, I mean, you know, if you're going to Damien Rice gig, you should probably keep your mouth shut. I've only know. ever seen Damien Rice once. It was, or sorry, no, I saw him twice. Once with like years and years and years and years and years ago in Cork Opera House. Second time was at Ivy Gardens here in Dublin. And uh, yeah, the problem with playing an outdoor gig when you're like a quiet one man and a guitar type is that like a flock of seagulls, not the 80s band, oh, but an actual flock of seagulls, incredible. just <laughs> appeared overhead and started squawking Can you imagine through. if a Damien Rice gig was interrupted by a flock of seagulls? The it band. would be ju- it, just Iran, <laughs> like so blasting out, away. yeah. What a song. Uh, I hung out with Ryan Adams' ex-wife during the week when I went to see 47 Meters Down, the film that she's in. Sam Parker, what's her face? Mandy Moore. Oh, oh Mandy shit, okay, Moore. yeah. 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 Parker Posey. One. She's in a bad shark movie that I went to see in Rathmines. You're hanging out with her? Well, in the sense of, like, I went to a cinema that she was in a film that was on the screen. That was oh, awesome. she wasn't that. That, 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 was <laughs> that was my that joke. Was not. I know. That was the joke. That was the joke. Thank right. you. You know what's great about jokes when you explain them? Yeah. People love that. So anyway, I think Colin was just shocked that I was potentially rubbing shoulders with Mandy Moore. I wonder how she yeah. feels about like her ex getting over her by covering a Taylor Swift album. <laughs> well, to one, be fair, it? she's got form for dating kind of in a strange fashion because she used to go out with Colin's phone. Sort of. Colin's phone is so ringing. unprofessional. Sorry, folks. This happens at the live show. Come I'm, on, let's have I'm hurling you into the audience. <laughs> 
So, Mandy Moore, years and years ago, used to go with a uh, professional tennis player, now retired, Andy, Andy Roddick. Roddick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Now, he, he upgraded to Brooklyn Decker, though, fair play to him. Do you know <laughs> how Mandy Moore... <laughs> do you know how Mandy Moore... Problematic comments aside, do you know how Mandy Moore and Andy Roddick first got together? And I'll, I'll give you a bonus of, of, of Andy, how Andy Roddick got with Brooklyn, Brooklyn Decker. But first, Mandy Moore's mother was at a tennis match, mm-hmm. saw Andy Roddick, thought he's pretty cute, and texted Mandy Moore about this cute tennis player that she was watching at the time. And Mandy Moore was like, yeah, go for it. And afterwards, waved over Andy Roddick, and he's like, yeah, my daughter's Mandy Moore. She'd love to go on a date with you. So that's how that happened. Huh, okay. Years later, when their relationship dissolved, <laughs> Andy Roddick picked Brooklyn Decker out of a catalogue and said to his agent, her, I want to go out. What? I want to go he out did a raw blow. I want to go out and date he with her. He did a raw blow in the 80s. <laughs> well, a raw blow in the 80s did a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. let, let's be very careful. No longer a legal department. <laughs> like, so there you go. The, like, You think it's hard for, for the average man on Tinder or Bumble or what the fuck? Celebrities, man. I love A-Rod, man. He's... he's- He's a dude. Oh man, that fucking that Wimbledon final against Roger Federer. Where oh, that my heart tragic. Broke. One of the greatest matches I've ever seen. But by the end of it, was absolutely sixteen fourteen. It in was the insane. Final set? And like oh. Roddick was giving it everything, and Federer was just like in full robot heel mode, yeah. just batting it back like a matter of time. And then yeah, he retired not terribly long after. He should have fucking won. It would have been a great story. It would. Nonetheless, I'm looking forward to reading the book. And you know, if Ryan Adams ever wants to come on the show and air his grievances, we'll have you. More than welcome. It's fine. Further grievances being aired, though, lately. Uh, Father John Misty, Kanye West, still in the conversation for various different reasons. Wynn Butler, who would have a grievance with us after last week if he heard the episode when we trashed the New Arcade Fire record, Everything Now, because it is trash. trash. He has been giving an interview to the Sunday Times, and he talked about Father John Misty's much-discussed line about Taylor Swift on Total Entertainment Forever. And Wynn Butler was of the opinion that, no, 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 it's fine. He said, who cares? You know, That's why an artist like Joshua Tillman is so vital, because stuff is so safe now. And he said it was really a jab at Kanye West, who made his own Taylor Swift reference on The Life of Pablo's Famous. Butler went on to call West's line strange and not right, much like the new Arcade Fire album. That doesn't make much sense to me. Because he's, on the, one hand, your boy. <laughs> on the one hand, he's saying that Father John Misty is vital because stuff now is so, just so safe. But he essentially, I don't know. How Plus, can... Father John Misty's line was satire of existing satire. Oh, yeah. It's like Inception. Oh, <laughs> I'm so confused. But it, it gets even more confusing when I've seen Father John Misty talk about Taylor Swift and be like, oh, you just realised she's fake recently, people? Like, he's really come out in force against, like, the Taylor Swift machine. Oh, so. He does that about everything, doesn't yeah. he? He's also following your footsteps, Greg. He's quit Twitter. Again. Oh, have, I, have I quit Twitter? I mean, originally those were oh. your footsteps, Dave, until you started backtracking, I guess. My digital footsteps. And Mr. Twitter. <laughs> Mr. Twitter 2017. <laughs> I can't wait for the calendar. I've got a sash <laughs> and everything. Um, yeah, there's talk of a, another Follow John Misty album down the line, but like, I don't think it's going to happen soon, nor should it. He said he's, he's almost got it done in terms of the songs, so... Uh, Considering how long ago the songs off the new record were written... I guess. He might have been stockpiling stuff. Yeah, although at the same know. time you can imagine that that recent album must have taken ages in studio, given yeah. how meticulously it's done and how expansive the whole album is, you know. I like a lot about that album, but that actual Taylor Swift line I don't think was as clever as he thinks it is. Oh, you no. guys, Follow Misty's? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Um, it was actually quite clunky. Yeah. Especially it because it opens the song and it's a good song, yeah. but it immediately kind of like throws an anchor on it and you're like, oh, I don't need to My immediate thing was like he needs a celebrity's name that rhymes with Oculus Rift. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> To be fair, Jonathan yeah. Swift just wasn't going to cut it in this case. Like betting Jonathan Swift every night in the Oculus Rift. Yeah, I, I mean it works, but like 
You know, it depends what you're scans. into. Yeah, it scans. Bad title. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will be. Possibly. Well, you know, we like Follow John Misty. We like Kanye. Wim Butler can, you know, I mean, I don't know. Do a good record, please. But, like, someone who might not be doing any records ever again, and this must have devastated you, Craig, is Andre 3000. Yeah, three stacks. Um, not really that surprising, though, is it? Given his kind of comments in recent years and the whole Outcast reunion, which, like, halfway through, he decided, uh, I shouldn't have done this. Um, so he's done a kind of wide-ranging interview with Complex. I uh, said, kind of like not being a part of rap now that I've done it. As I get older, I start to see myself um, mo- mo- move more back from it, the hustle and bustle of putting out an album, pressure of being in the studio, trying to come up with something. Now it's more like a hobby for me, so I don't think about it in that way. So I guess very much focusing on acting and stuff. I mean, Dave, you're our resident film. Hello. Hi. Yes. I-, I actually don't think I've seen him in anything. Is he good? He's good. He's not okay. brilliant. I've seen him in a few things. He was in that dreadful Guy Ritchie movie, Revolver. Mm. Oh, okay. Which yeah. only yeah, last I night, never watched, only yeah. last night we were referring to the Adam, Adam and Joe, Joe taking the face out of the commentary, commentary of the that, commentary, which is yeah. worth checking out because everything's about chess, mate. You know, life is chess. Life is chess. <laughs> he was in a really bad film called Four Brothers, alongside uh, Mark Wahlberg, Tyrese Gibson, Garrett Hedlund, and Fanula Flanagan plays their mother. They're all like these delinquent youths that she took in. And you tell us this is bad. It's really bad. No. It also has uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, that really good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a who's who of slumming it in a 2005 John sure. Singleton movie. Uh, what else was he in? He, he was he, in that bad Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah, I was going to say. That nobody watched. I think he's in Be Cool, the sequel to Get Shorty. Okay, so he's just not getting the roles. Ah, yeah. yeah. He's not. He's got presence for sure. He can act, definitely, but he's not doing a lot of it. Um, he does say, you know, he doesn't know what he'll be doing in 10 years, but I hope to God I won't be rapping. Sure. That's kind of a diss to the genre that he's been associated with his entire life, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he just seems kind of quite over it. Even, even the final Outcast album, which was essentially two solo albums, I mean, his half of it was him already moving away from the rap thing specifically. As my mic falls off the thing. <laughs> that was <laughs> quite dramatic. Craig's voice just genuinely dropped as though it disagreed with him so much. He was just like, that last album rocked. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not surprised. Did you enjoy... Uh, I recall when that, when that reunion happened, they were at Electric Picnic that year. And yeah. Craig and oh, I, so good, Craig yeah. and I were at the horrors in a tent where not that many people were, and I was like, "You were like, okay, gotta go. I want to go up the front for Outcast, the main stage." And I kept being like, "No, no, no, no. They're gonna finish with like moving further away. You gotta wait for it. You gotta wait for it. It's, it's gonna be amazing." And you were like politely hanging on, even though you were desperate to leave. Yeah. And as soon as the horrors stopped, you were like, "Vumph!" I ran and ran, and you ran just in time as uh, Bob Bob kicked in. It was glorious. So in it's many ways, on. I gave you a festival moment. Yeah, you get me many festival <laughs> moments over the years, Dave. I definitely have, yeah. <laughs> Dave, however, will have no more himself. No more. <laughs> or at least he, say, he tells us. Like, I mean, you know. Vin Fruit's not a festival, guys. It's not a festival. It, oh, my God. Let's not. Going to one day of a festival is not going to a festival. Oh, this is... You're going to a specially curated event. <laughs> my festival haters lives. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Even you're, like, not standing by that reading. No. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'll fight you over it. <laughs> All right. The point is, I have been vindicated once again in my decision to avoid festivals. Apart from listeners, the Dublin Podcast Festival, which takes place yeah. in the last two oh, weeks of September, yeah, it's just myself and Craig hosting it's that. It's not night. really a festival when it's like spread out out over different venues. And... Oh, don't give them an out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Craig, I'm glad you asked. All I know is that I will be there in spirit and flesh, but it won't count because I'm part of the festival. Yeah. Tell us about this other festival. So there was a festival that got cancelled due to heavy rain. 
which is a strange thing to happen in 2017. Yeah. You'd like to think that we're prepared for this kind of thing. Well, certainly when it's organised in Britain. I mean, yeah. you know, if it, if it was a festival in the Bahamas and it started lashing, you'd be like, okay, maybe they didn't see it coming. I gotta say, I, derby. I gotta say, I love this sentence here from the Guardian report about this festival. It sounds something the football commentator Barry Davis would have said, in that the organisers had failed to prepare for the realities of British summertime. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like when he's like, you know, and Germany lose because they will not learn. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the festival was called Why Not? I love that in Derbyshire. Why Not festival was called it's raining. Off. On Sunday, after acts had already been forced to abandon their performances due to dangerous conditions, headliners The Vaccines had their set cancelled on the Friday, apologising to fans on social media and saying that they'd been told it was unsafe. The soggy weekend always saw, also saw performances from Stereophonics and Jake Bug rearranged, with many acts playing under gazebos on stage to stay dry. Now, if you ask me, you get what you fucking deserve if you go to a festival with Stereophonics, The Vaccines, and Jake Bug in the ascendancy. I'd like to see The Vaccines. You well. brought me to The Vaccines at a festival, and you were like, it's going to be great. And I was like, this is appalling. And you're like, it's great, Wrecking Bar, man. And I was like, this is awful. These are, this is a shit band. What are you what on about? What festival was that at? Picnic a few years ago. Hmm. I like some of their tunes, I have to say. I quite like Craig and I used yeah. to go exclusively to festivals together. <laughs> yeah. when, when we date, when we courted. <laughs> <laughs> Saw the vaccines at the long G last year. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. they're not bad. They're really bad. They're Green really bad. Band. No, they're not. They're, they're actually not. They're actually awful. Let's get into it. There's nothing to say. <laughs> There's not really much to get into. To They've be nothing fair. to say. They've nothing to say. <laughs> They're so, not Dylan. This was <laughs> this was really really badly organised, and people were not happy. Uh, paying one hundred forty pound to watch one act kill your legs and be dripping in mud, probably returning with pneumonia, is not my ideal we- weekend. Treated one disgruntled visitor who exaggerated things somewhat. Uh, I really enjoyed some of the kind of ways that this article is padded out because I mean, like you have a thing where it's like. They're trying to like look for different people and kind of get you know the on the ground thing, and there's like a one of the many festival goers to complain that was Amy Osborne. I'm absolutely devastated. She wrote there were so many bands I wanted to see today and I've been looking forward to for a long time. We've saved hard for this weekend and given up a lot to come. This is my first festival for nine years and I can safely say I'll never come back. You have totally ruined me my weekend. I expect a refund. It's just this level of like you know you ruined her wedding day type thing like it happens I, yeah I mean I prefer Rachel Dimbleby to be honest <laughs> talking about how her and her uh, fella survived class in 2005 <laughs> and 2007 with some of the worst conditions ever they know how to deal with the mud apparently said Rachel who runs a yeah. ceramics business with her husband <laughs> why is that detail in there why it was is absolute that there? carnage Dave and a lot of people are very upset Apparently it was apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. But see, this is my point. This is why outdoor gigs should never happen, ever. And oh, what? As a result, I am hereby declaring the no-encore petition to ban outdoor gigs for the rest <laughs> of... It's fine if two of the co-hosts don't sign it. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll back down. But okay, all I want to say about this is like, really? Heavy rain? You couldn't plan for rain? Because there's, there's a thing... Well, they, they had apparently. I like. I quite like the stat that they'd ordered 80 tonnes of wood chip. There you go. Yeah, Sounds like a really, really shit band from <laughs> Bristol. I mean, like, there's also the thing about whether, like, you know, didn't see anyone out, out with the hay bales. And I can I can confirm from going to Body and Soul last year, I, I mentioned before how surreal it was to see Mark Cosley play to 20 people in the rain and see kids in the puddles as he was talking about some meandering song that he wrote on the mm-hmm. plane over about guns. And at one point, a fucking, like pickup truck just appears out of nowhere with lots of bales of hay and just starts flicking it about the place. Yeah. The best, well for, that, the best for that is independence. A visual held on feast. a legit farm. And so yeah. if you arrive there like a few hours before gates open, like they're seriously like moving cows into different fields and shit. Like it's actually hilarious. Into the beer hall. <laughs> yeah. that's, where, that's where the cows like to hang out for the weekend. 
All right, well, let's do some tunes. We will do some tunes. As a matter of fact, I mentioned them already, and you might have been like, Dave, Stereophonics couldn't possibly still be going, could they? No way. I mean, they're probably on their 10th album by now. <laughs> As it turns out, <laughs> you would be correct. And they're back with a song that's interestingly long, but then again, it is called All In One Night. I swear the dog on the high street And we crash into the post Oh, 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 So, Stereophonics, yep, still going, and you gotta wonder why at this stage, don't you? Like, charitably. Yeah, no, you do, for sure. Um, I I know it's one of your favourite album reviews ever. It really is. just said, it's just another Stereophonics album. Full review, it's just another Stereophonics album, full stop, end of review. And, like, you'd have to say this is not just another Stereophonics song, to be fair to them. Like, not that that makes it good in any way. Um... Mm. Lyrically, it's quite poor. Oh, it's just like, but that's the main thing, isn't it? Even it's the just, fans in the YouTube comments call them, they turn on you. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just like, I mean, they've never really had any depth. They've never had this sort of pensive. Uh, first record, Local Boy in the Photograph is a really yeah, good song. Yeah, I was going to say. That's a really powerful they're, song. Like, oh, oh, like, way, way, way back. What about Mr. Writer, where he takes aim at journalists, oh, man? God. Well, listen, I I don't know much about stere- stereophonics over the last, say, you know, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> But looking through, like, some of... Like, they've been releasing albums that are, you know, feral clip. And apparently, like, the last two, they got a lot of kind of, you know, this is genuinely quite good songwriting type reviews. So they seem to ditch that thing where... Remember they went all proper rock around Dakota and all that kind of stuff? And yeah. they're like, yeah, no, we're sex real. Other. Yeah. I, I, Superman. I think they've kind of ditched that to an extent yeah, now, which have. can only be a good thing. I saw them live around that time, actually. Yeah. Uh, so did I. They play the INEC Killarney. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and Why Kelly... did you both see them around My friend time? bought tickets. This is like wow. 2007. In yeah. You're Ordi- moaning about the vaccine. Ordi- Ordi- so indoor. <laughs> it wasn't good. I at least got, I knew some of the songs. I just got free tickets at the time from... Yeah, so it was free for me. College radio station I was working. Um... But yeah, Kelly Jones almost stormed off because uh, someone had thrown a Stereophonics branded mug at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a great little Did detail. Did it say Keep Calm and Carry On, which was actually the fucking title of one of their albums? Of course it was. Was it? Yeah. No. 2009, yeah. Oh my God. Exactly when that hit its heights of like recessionary, blah, blah, blah. They're like, that's a great phrase that won't be overused. <laughs> <laughs> Handbags and the bad rags. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of like... I see what he's going for with this kind of narrative thing, but yeah, Do as Dave you? said, the lyrics are trash. Like, it's really clunkily done. It's crap. Mm. Um, but I actually like it musically. Really? That, that guitar was also kind of like, um, it doesn't sound like it was properly plugged in or something. It's got a weird fuzz effect on it. That, yeah. For the entire song. It's over five minutes long as well. Look, it's not offensive, and it'll keep them going, I suppose. But like, yeah, I don't know. They're just, they're the stereophonics. Yeah. What do you want? New album is out on November 3rd. That's one to not put in your diary. One to not review on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's a busy week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what we need? We need someone who knows how to really rock out. Someone who's been doing it for years and years, but isn't afraid to mix it up a bit. And that's why Nick Jagger and Skepta have done a song together. <laughs> it sounds like this. 
England lost. Did we win with this song? I mean, like, I, I saw the name of the song, and I was just like, I hope they use a football analogy. And then, bang, first verse. Didn't even have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. He's a showman. You know, like, he's not going to hold back. He's giving us what we want, isn't he? What is happening? With this? <laughs> this is craziness. I mean, he's never been good at doing political songs at all. I mean, he's always just been a bit of a kind of, you know, white rock cipher for, like, blues stuff. But when he tries to get specific or make a point, it's just... Even a decade ago, he was doing, like, really crap neocon puns about Bush. This is even worse. It's like... I don't know. It's like Phil Daniels' character in Park Life's mate chatting about, like, at a bus stop chatting shit about fucking nonsense. (laughs) And, like, he's clearly doing, like, a parody on this and the other track where he plays a really, really kind of, like awful character that's like a you know oh, screw immigration blah 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 <laughs> and you're just like oh no all his fans are going to be like i'm so into this yeah go on brexit was great can yeah. i just say without that um your your kind of analogy there reminded me of one of my favorite reviews that you've ever given and one of your most pithiest one-liners is when you described lulu by metallica and lou reed is uh, like being at like a metallica gig and some crazy old man is just in your ear the entire gig like just shouting at you yeah. <laughs> like, uh, rest in peace lou reed <laughs> <laughs> Trying to watch the gig, mate. Uh, and the mu- musically, it's dreadful. It's like a sub kind of Happy Mondays guitar thing going mm. on. It's a skeptic. Oh, skeptics were dreadful. Skepta, <laughs> what are you doing, mate? Like, I mean, things are going all right You're for you. You're the Mercury Just, Prize champion. I like you sympathise in a way though, because you can imagine that he got the phone call and he was like, "Fucking recording with Mick Jagger, amazing." Telling all of his friends. Yeah, and they didn't exactly. Yeah, he told everyone, so he had to go through with it. I've Even got when a- he heard the song, he was like, "Oh." <laughs> I've got a Mick Jagger quote. It's obviously got a fair amount of humor because I don't like anything too on the nose. But it's also <laughs> but it's also got a sense of vulnerability of where we are as a country. He's a real on the nose in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, place. he's a real Ryan Adams type. Yeah. The fuck? Uh, he's also mentioned quite a bit in that book, the SNL book. Apparently he hung out with Lauren Michaels in the early seventies. Like people would just come over to Lauren Michaels' gaff and find him on his couch, being like Right. It's Mick Jagger. Lauren Michaels is a proper music guy, yeah. Yeah, seems to have quite the connection. Best use of Paul Simon as well. So we don't like this. No? I wonder what he'd think of this. I think he wouldn't think it was very good. No. Is this going to be an album, or are we just getting these two tracks that he, ha- that he had to get out? Because <laughs> Mick Jagger and Skepta, the album. Itchy couldn't scratch, yeah. I hope it's Mick Jagger working with grime artists with each track. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Listen, Mick Jagger's just... the section just, boys in there. Mick Jagger's just <laughs> a new father that's worried about what kind of world he's going to leave for his uh, infant son, Davaro Octavian Basil Jagger. That's <laughs> all that name, Erdogan. I have to read it out. Rolls off the tongue. When I read that Trent Reznor interview last week, I was horrified to learn that he had... Uh, Given his children names like, you know, Balthazar Nova and stuff like that. Oh, or like, 
Can I just say when you mentioned uh, recording with you know various growing artists on different tracks, um, because I know you're a big fan of football teams with novelty unveilings. I really am. Uh, AJ Tracy, uh, who's a grime rapper, one of Stormzy's boys. Um, <laughs> but no, he is. He like he's in that crew, isn't he? Um, just how he, casually is that? I love. He uh, made a track for the UK's uh, for his Spurs kit launch, uh, a track called False Nine. Oh, that's not bad. That's pretty good. You want to talk about weird unveilings, though. See Jesus Navas going back to, is it Sevilla who signed him again? Did they just, like, reveal Jesus out of a cave after do you not know? Do, do you not know what they did? No. What did they do? So, like, you know, he's sold after his Manchester City hell. He's sold back to the club that he was at before. And, yeah, he's, like, walking in the video of him being, like, for for the fans to watch on your on your, on your your Twitters or whatever. He um, is walking in the street and a van pulls up. Puts a black fucking sack over his head, no. bundles, bundles him into the van, and then drives him to the stadium where, like, they take off the sack, and he's like looking around, and he's like, "All right, I can deal with this." Amazing, yeah, extraordinary rendition as a transfer unveiling. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> fucking incredible. That'd be a really nice kidnapping for anybody, wouldn't it? Really, if you're yeah. just pushed out and you're like, "What? I'm in Seville." Well, let's move on, shall we? To a band with a threatening name who never quite lived up to the threatening name, but they've definitely had some tunes over the years. That's my roundabout way of introducing the Killers. Back on the show again, the song is called Run For Cover. I think Craig put it best during the week when we were having a private conversation. Mm. When he said... <laughs> when he Can't believe you're bringing this up, but anyway. When you said, I think Brandon Flowers has got his groove back. Yeah. And I would agree with that statement. I'm very happy for him. This is the second good song we've heard from the Killers <laughs> within about three months. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that. I mean, definitely in terms of his kind of... I mean, his lyrics have never been his strong suit. This is very good, particularly the verse. verse I think he's actually... A lot of the time he overreaches, I think. Can we and talk about first, though, how the song starts? Yes. Go because on. it starts with uh, the riff from Placebo, and the song is called Meds. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and sure. then they were like, oh, maybe they were like, fuck, that's a bit similar. Why don't we just do an Interpol guitar line? And they just smash into an Interpol guitar line. That sounds really good. <laughs> and then it also has the rhythm section of that amazing early block party single, Little Thoughts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot, you, of, a lot of cribbing going on here. But well, I don't know if but all I, of that was... But I was like, do you know what would make a great No, no, I'm sure, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's... You hasn't sat down and said, if we combine placebo <laughs> block party and Interpol, we've early, got a hit on our Early, early block early, party, early that's block. the key. Uh, yeah, of course it was a happy accident, these things happen, but it, I couldn't help but think of them. But what I will say is, it comes racing out the traps, I quite enjoy Brandon Flair's uh, vocals on this one. Yeah. It's a jam! It's okay, yeah. I'm I'm not oh. mad about it. Oh, it's yeah, naysayers. It reminds me of like Spaceman and like Day and Age. Babylon era. Zoo. 
No, 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 oh, no. Okay. Their second single from Day and Age. Well, a bit. The it's much, it's much better than Spaceman. It is, yeah. But, but it's certainly got that feel. Like he's actually been talking about how this originated from that period to that right, writing. Okay. So it was supposed to be on that record, but he said he had the first verse and he's like, "This is like maybe some of my best writing," but he couldn't do anything that kind of lived up to the rest of it. And something just clicked within like you know the last year or so, and he was sure. able to finish it. So uh, I definitely think it's an upgrade. And I, t- I guess obviously where you come from with the sound, you were dead on. But um, no, it's just it's it's a very kind of fun throwaway. But actually, I mean, it's quite political, though it has its roots like, you know, years ago. So it's not just kind of more Trump bashing um, and it's subtly done, which is isn't always the case with the killers. I liked it. It's very arresting and it kind of it, it has a big finish, which, yeah. you know, we need yeah. more of these days. I mean, like, it, it, people are like, you know, oh, my guitar is rock dead, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, we know that's bollocks, but like, it's nice for a massive act like this to just kind of be like, "Fuck it, let's just do like a balls eight rock song with a bit of pop influence and have fun." Like, yeah. there's no po faceness here, which makes me worried for the record that they'll probably be the odd earnest ballad or two. Mm. And we talk, we always talk about the show where it's like, "Would you want an entire album of this?" If tomorrow the Killers album was ten tracks of this and the Man, I'm like, "Why not?" Sure, yeah. do it. Like, like you're good at it. Like it'd be fun, and it's made me like the Killers again. Yeah, so home run. And further, further argument as well to to what Craig was saying about like, getting their mojo back. I saw during the week like they're playing on Jimmy Kimmel and fired through like a ten song set, I think, at home in Las Vegas. And yet they look like they're enjoying themselves again. And given that you know, like they had member leave, given that Brandon was going further and further into his solo projects yeah. and stuff, perhaps that's what they needed to actually get back on track. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Uh, we weren't at the Bell and Sebastian gig in the Ivy Gardens a couple of weeks ago, but some of our friends were. Apparently it was a great show. And I don't know if they played any new material, but if they did, it would have been this. Sleeping silent in the rooms Growing bodies with their sleep Making plans inside their heads Making love to shadow friends We were beautiful Oh, we were beautiful. You talked about the intro to the Killers song. Now, this started, and I was just like, holy shit, David Gray Babylon is not the wow. rhythm track that you need to be fucking <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear it, but... I, no, I was I, just I, like, what's this breakbeat nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an interesting one. It's very kind of fragmented. Uh, I don't think... I, it, it's one of those things, it, it kept nagging at me in a kind of strangely positive way, because on initial listen, I was like, I really don't think I like this. But I kind of kept returning to it. And there's a lot of problems with it, but there's kind of parts, like there's components that I like, but it's a bit of a mess. I must say that like their last album, and I think the least single was The Party Line, and that was another one of those tracks that, yeah, I kind of found myself drawn back and started enjoying bits of it, even though as a whole, it didn't really do it. This, however, hasn't won me over in really, yeah. much way at all. I mean, like, his vocal delivery as well is weirdly like Neil Tennant, Pet Shop Boys style thing it's, yeah. it's, it's odd it's strange it's not what i expect. i can't quite get a fix on this band i mean you know they do stuff like this they do stuff like enter sylvia plath which is a great tune yeah. but i've never quite fucked with them on a you know major level well i mean like it's, 10 or 11 years ago i was all in like really around the, t- yeah. around the time of life pursuit you were just like okay these guys are fucking dynamite yeah there's certainly a band now with a very divided fan base I think because they have spent like much of the past decade moving away from that kind of uh, you know 
almost twee kind of indie pop, but they just somehow got it right. I think Stuart Murdoch's writing was so strong. The songs were there. You kind of gave them a pass. They were endearing rather than cloying. Um, but they've been going more and more into this almost like pop sheeny glam electronic thing, which clearly he's like very into, but I don't think it quite suits them. Yeah, he had some weird kind of retro disco yeah. feel in the last album. Yeah, it's just not working for me. Yeah, it's it's throwaway. It's disposable. It's not great. Didn't like it. Cool. Now, two years ago, at Forbidden Fruit, a festival, uh, which I attended. Mm, back in the day when that happened. <laughs> was I there? We were all there. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I was getting no, bullied by David no, McSavage. At see, this I was going to say, I was going to say, as Cullum sat ashen-faced <laughs> interviewing a prominent <laughs> Irish comedian, but you've named him. Oh, I'll name that cunt every day. Of the oh, week. shit. <laughs> all right, okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Let's talk about it. But before we talk about that, the point of the intro is that while this was ha- while Colm was having the worst half an hour of his life, Craig and I were having a great time. Yeah, I won't say the best half an hour of my life, but it was up. No, it wasn't up there. But it was a really good set. It By was Kalela. Kalela. Um, who has been kind of, you know, around for a long time. I think for the past five years, I've been very excited about her finally releasing a debut well, album. Well, let's have a listen to this again. Yeah. It's called LMK, mm-hmm. so I believe it stands for Let Me Know. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was a great set. She commanded like a fucking, what, half five in the afternoon, yeah. bright outside the town, people str- straggling in, not re- <laughs> no one really knowing who she was, but she was arresting, commanding, and excellent. Far from one-off as well, because last year she opened the Heineken State at Longitude, half five on the Friday, first act on, half full tent, lots of people who weren't necessarily there to pay attention to a gig, shall we say. Yeah. And she was, again, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, she's got something for sure. But hang on a minute. What happened with David McSavage, man? Oh, dude. <laughs> Let's get back to it. Cliff Notes being that like he just came up and decided like he was going down, so he's going to take everyone with him. And just like insulted everybody in sight. Me, my boss, all the crowd. People were just leaving like from the second he opened his mouth. Um, and yeah, and then like he just started getting darker and darker. He talked about throwing himself into the canal on the way home and stuff. And it wasn't very funny, put it that it way. It wasn't very funny. <laughs> and you had dinner with the man as well at one point, didn't you? That was pre- prior to that, yeah. I tell you. The life I lead, huh? <laughs> Jesus. We should point out that the dinner was part of an interview. It wasn't just Colin being like, do you want to go for dinner sometime? <laughs> <laughs> I really like your dark kind of, you know, semi-suicidal We should do a live interview at a festival sometime that will cause me to be so upset that I will slink away in the middle of the night and not tell anyone. Yeah, my girlfriend doesn't display nearly enough paranoia when we go to restaurants. I'd like you to come instead. Nonetheless, um, you should have come to the, to the gig because sure. you would have seen a great performance from Kalela. <laughs> What do we think of the song? I like it, yeah. I mean, it's not the best thing she's ever done. And actually, um, from people that have seen her recently live, they're saying this is probably one of the more obvious songs and certainly not the best, which augurs really well because I still very much like it. I mean, we've been waiting, as I said, for a debut album for about four years. She's been talking about it and putting it together. She's waited. Um, She's now kind of mid-30s. 
and is finally ready. I think it's out in October. Take Me Apart is the record. I'm very excited about it. I love it. Yeah. I must say, I think this is fantastic. I think it's got a great groove. I think her voice is excellent. And I think most of all is that like she owns it in terms of like subject matter and the delivery. It's like we talked about like Selena Gomez's song Fetish a couple of weeks ago. And I, like I said, like I didn't necessarily buy that. Fetish. The whole way. Fetish indeed, yeah. <laughs> I didn't buy Selena Gomez there. But like there's no reason at all to doubt Kalela when, when she makes track like this. Um, you know, I've written before about like the dodgy line between sensual and sexual, which artists continually overstep and end up dodgy with something like, end up with something <laughs> like fucking Bon Appetit by Katy Perry, you know. <laughs> um, but this is the right side of it. This is genuinely sensual song. Like you can hear this. Yeah, the word seductive is going to follow her around probably the rest of her career because she's able to kind of create her own little world inside about three or four minutes, drag you into it completely, and you don't really want to leave. It's very, very impressive. And it was her gig was like that and at a festival, which is why like I'm desperate to see her in like the Olympia or somewhere uh-huh. like that, which I'm sure will follow suit if the album does well. And I hope it does, and I hope it's a good record, and we are very much looking forward to it. So, so far, so good. Yeah. Now, to an album that uh, I've been looking forward to for quite a while. Friend of the show, Vic Mensa. Yeah. Who will, his contribution, <laughs> who will forget his contribution to our half-year review last year. Um, he had threatened to release a full-length record, his debut, uh, at the end of 2016, then at the start of 2017, and ended up scrapping it entirely. Now we finally do have an LP from him. It's called The Autobiography. It sounds like this. Spread my and fly. Introduction of Victor, not Vic Mensa. The one you never meet in the double XL issue. I got so many issues, I should be my own publisher. The beat is my therapist, skateboard, paint the pictures. A portrait of the artist formerly known as Vic. I read the signs, I was close to overdose like Prince. Picking pill pieces up out of the bathroom sink. Like an armored truck riding a brink. I'll probably be a vegetable. Yeah, that is Wings, uh, featuring Pharrell and Saul Williams. It is taken from the album titled The Autobiography. A cringeworthy title of ever there was was one but it seems for some reason to kind of stand up here it's the autobiography as told by Vic Mensa I believe it's the official seems to make sense Vic Mensa just like cliff notes for anybody who doesn't know is from Chicago this is his debut album he released an EP last year called There's a Lot Going On it was very good Uh, he's outstanding live Uh, he played Ireland longitude of last year Metropolis the year before that I caught him there and he was absolutely fantastic um, young dude from Chicago, bizarre similarities to Kanye West in so many ways, down to like academic parents and living on the south side and sort of a middle class suburb where you still see a lot of shit because it's Chicago. Um, that is who he is. And frankly, if you want to know any more, you'll find out pretty quickly on this record because it truly is a bit of an autobiographical guide to who Vic Menza is. It is, yeah. I mean, he's obviously, you know, got the Rock Nation co-sign. Jay-Z's called him a once-in-a-lifetime artist. Um, and we've got No ID, who's, you know, worked on Jay-Z's latest and did some great work there, um, kind of overseeing all the beats on that, uh, on this, on the autobiography. Um, and, yeah, you get, like, his life story. You also get, like, every different genre of music that he's, like, passed a kind of, you know, fleeting interest in. Because the thing with Vic Mens has been... Yes, a big live presence, a charismatic guy, uh, you know, initially arrived um, with a mixtape where his rap kind of flow was singled out and his wordplay 
then he's been kind of toying with rock. He's been doing kind of political stuff. People are like, how is like when he finally gets around to releasing this debut album? What is the like sound he's going to settle on? What does he actually have to say? What's his big kind of opening manifesto? And I don't know if we get this because like it's kind of all over the shop stylistically. I think. Yeah. No, Sometimes he really hits on it and it's great. Other times you're like, okay, this is fine, but he's still trying to find uh, you know his own kind of unique personality. I think. Yeah, I mean, even to the extent that for me. Sometimes he doesn't know whether he's a singer or a rapper. Mm. No, he's absolutely capable of both. He's got a far better voice than the majority of people who try to sing hooks. I mean, he's not Frank Ocean, granted, but like compared to ninety nine percent of MCs, he can probably outsing them. Um, and he has a like he's a really pleasant voice to listen to, whether rapping or singing. And I know "pleasant" is a word that like your mom uses to describe lunch, but but. <laughs> It My actually is. Yeah, what are you on about? Like, well, you know what I mean. Like, it's a cool pleasant, like, pleasant, pleasant thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, Okay, yeah, fine. Let's <laughs> talk in, in the past tense. Fair enough. I can see it as a past tense thing. That was a pleasant lunch. Yeah, really? fine. No, but like, I had, I, I had it down as like, Cullum, would you like to come and eat some pleasant lunch? Oh no, that's weird. Which that's sounds weird. But pleasant, see? no. But when you even when you say past tense, it'd more refer to like the social situation was pleasant as opposed to the food. Yeah. So you're you say that with was a pleasant so so Snickers. So I just asked. So you're factoring in the ambiance and the company. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, pleasant. Yeah, l- yeah you know, that's why. I, yeah, I think yeah. it works in that regard. Like, yeah. If you're like, yeah, that was a pleasant lunch. Yeah. You're not necessarily referring to the food element of the lunch, which could, in fairness, be pleasant. But you'd probably use it like that was delicious or We're really getting too far into this. What I, I was going to think say that is there's that an argument to be had. <laughs> is enjoyable yeah. on this. That's the word I was going to use. Yeah. I was going to use the word enjoyable because I was going to say on the surface this is a very enjoyable listen. Mm-hmm. Dig a little bit deeper, and I think he spreads himself too thin, sure. uh, which is not necessarily a hardcore criticism because, as I've always said on this show, I I don't like to fault ambition, and there's a lot of ambition here, mm-hmm. and it does give you kind of a catch-all scatter shot thing, like. I'm reminded of Vince Staples at the time, not in terms of delivery, but in terms of just getting a feel for who Vic Mensa is. Because I found myself having to be like, yeah, this is really enjoyable to listen to, but I'm not really listening to him, am I? I'm not, like, I'm not really like paying attention to, to the narratives here. Are there narratives? Is there depth? There is. But there's also, you know, he wants to do everything. Yeah. And he wants to have a pop song. He wants to have a really good kind of rap, kind of old school song at one point. There's some R&B in here as well. And there's plenty of hooks, as you mentioned. Like it, it's it, you're never bored, uh-huh. but I do wonder, like, who's this album for? Like, is this about making a name? Is this about you know having enough to kind of sell yourself as well? And I can't really fault him for like subject matter because he does go quite deep at times. And then there's the obvious kind of political stuff as well. But it almost feels like we're getting a greatest hits as a debut, which is weird. There is a little bit of that. Um, I mean, you mentioned ambition. In a way, I feel as though this album is kind of at its most ambitious in sort of the content rather than the delivery because you know even though he does kind of try to touch every genre with no idea who he described a couple of weeks ago as being a very safe pair of hands there is nothing that's going to you know absolutely shatter the system here but this feels like the first chapter in a very long story yeah as though Vic Mensa is determined and even like when you listen to the first like two songs in particular uh didn't i start was it didn't i and memories on 47th street mm. i mean it genuinely sounds like he's saying look this is me and it's important that you understand who i am because we're going to build from here basically this sounds very much like the first album of a guy who's planning on releasing like five six seven more in the next decade yeah he's definitely like an interesting character as i said and i do think 
he is very much trying to figure himself out in terms of he's got clear potential as a vocalist. Um, there are times though where you think he kind of strains himself too far or you're like, does he need vocal lessons? Mm. You can definitely see him when he gets a bit kind of more sophisticated with it slipping into like a Drake role and just doing that seamlessly well. Um, so he has that which it isn't kind of fu- he doesn't fully deliver on this time. Then his rapping... I mean, there's some great bars, but then yeah. there's some kind of clunkers as well, where oh. you're like, oh, he doesn't fully deliver on that. I saw some review the other day, yeah. and they just nailed it when they say the rapping is great, apart from every time he comes near a proper noun. <laughs> where did you read this review? I don't know. The New I, Statesman, I was it? No, no, no. But it's Oxford so, English it, Dictionary. It's so <laughs> true. Any reference to a Slash place, music. Yeah. Any reference to a place or a person. Sounds like it's been crowbarred in there. Like, he's name-dropping fucking, like, Macklemore at the Grammys. And you're like, dude, this is six years ago. Yeah, the but, The Rocky like, and Sylvester fair, line is cringe as well. I, I quite like... like smoking with Kurt Cobain in heaven? We'll, we'll get to that. Let, we'll get no, to no, that. no, let's get to it now. That's, right. That track is called, fittingly, Heaven on Earth. Yeah. Featuring the dream. And it's a very interesting narrative, if you break it down as to how it's structured. Mm. It's stunning, man. It's about his friend who was killed. I, uh, this sounds awful now, but I don't think it works. Okay, well, hang on. Let's let, yeah, let's okay. strip it back. Let, let's All do right. a song exploder okay, on yes. no encore. Okay, it's Vic Mensa, and it's Heaven on Earth. Uh, we have a quick listen? Yeah. What up, Cam? It's your little bro. Been a while since we spoke. What it's hit it for? Yeah. The other day I saw your sister, bro. Sad it had to be at another funeral. That was a wild summer. Same when they took Rod from us. When I heard they stabbed him in the side. Swear to God, I could feel that shit in my stomach. And yo, I heard it with some niggas from the wild hunters. That sneaky bitch set you up, man. Fuck, man. This shit is tough, man. Over some petty ass weed. I was like anybody but Cam. I called Autumn immediately. Needed someone to feed it to me. I couldn't stomach it on my own. I wanted to throw up like I was chugging Patron. Now every time I run through your number in my phone, I'm thinking about bullet holes running through your dome. I just saw you that week on 53rd. I'm tearing up, man. It's hard to put this shit in words. It's like Macklemore at the Grammys, man. I just feel like you got So, this song is about his friend who was shot dead in a robbery mm-hmm. in 2011, I believe. Yep. And yeah, not long after a friend of theirs had been stabbed to death in Lincoln Park. Yeah. And that's referenced in the song as well. So what he does here is is and the song has kind of been compared to Stan by Eminem it's Stan without so. the stalker I mean yeah so well, he, it's also Stan with a lot more death than humanity but tons and it, but it has a similar ending it has a real kind of like a little whoa, bit, like, yeah big time big so it has the ending we'll so okay so it starts off and Vic writes from his point of view yep. writing a letter to his deceased friend in heaven the second verse is his friend writing back to him mm-hmm. and then the third verse is Vic writing from the perspective of the person who killed his friend yeah, and basically trying to form a, a story around it, a story of regret and remorse and, you know, just like, hey, look, you know, it could have been anybody and it's just one of the things that happened and I, and I was scared and I panicked and I shot him and, you know, it's obviously designed to give closure to Vic Mensa because he was very affected by this, as, yeah. you, as you might imagine. Now, in terms of its execution, it does stumble a little bit here and there. And it is a bit kind of and I, like I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about a record later on before we close the show, which also kind of has that degree of earnestness while really laying yourself out there. And that's why I, I feel like I can't fault him too much because this is his expression. And like 
he's managed to do it in a way that was obviously very personal to him. It's 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 a good song. That's it. I mean, I think it's honest and earnest. It also slags off Macklemore. Cynical or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's not cynical. And the Macklemore diss I actually think is quite interesting. Because I don't think it's a diss on Macklemore because Macklemore said, said it himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The line is about how like you know you didn't deserve it like Macklemore uh, at the Grammys, yeah. which is when Macklemore beat. Kendrick Lamar Kendrick, yeah, yeah. for Good Kid, Mad City in 2014, and there was uproar, of course, and Macklemore himself. Was that 2014. It was 2014. Shit, well, it was I the Grammys in 2014. So I mean, right. like, like, there, there, yeah, there, yeah, there can yeah. be spillover. But Macklemore himself, uh, or Macklemore, as it apparently is, said like he wrote like a message to Kendrick saying like you know you were robbed. I didn't yeah. want to win. I wanted you to win. I forgot about it when I was on stage. I'm really sorry. But look, you're you're doing amazing. Blah 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 blah. So it's not it's not like a hardcore diss. But it's just kind of but but you know it's a it's a it's a difficult reminder for Macklemore. Yeah. You know he's, we've all moved on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, that that's one facet of a song that is multi-narrative about a real tragedy and Craig thinks it doesn't work but see here's the thing just before Craig gives his alternative point of view the other thing that I really liked about this track is the fact that when he's writing as the killer it is like you said it's remorseful it is human it's real it's very human to give and that to the to, to the, the, the the killer that's like, exactly I mean, like, it like there's no onus on Vic Mensa to do this and to give that sort of humanity to that person who's killed his friend. And he spoke about it actually at length in an interview with NPR where he said that for a lot of this album, it was just kind of getting shit out of his system. That's why elsewhere he's talking about addiction and he's talking about gun violence, blah, 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 blah. He even references in this song his own suicidal nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he, like, he's suffered from depression and, you know, has contemplated suicide. And basically, like, talked about all those just to kind of get over them. And that certainly goes for this song as well. Yeah, Craig. Yeah, go on, Craig. Tear him down. Go on, Craig. Well, he li- he literally draws himself like a conc- like you know kind of um, comparisons to Stan with the ending. Damn. Mm. But the whole thing is there's not really any payoff because that isn't a like a, not a punchline, but it's not actually like a kind of big reveal moment. Oh, sure, of course. So I think you get these kind of three moments where some of the writing is good, and again, this actually. It's my problem with the record overall where, I mean, the best will in the world, there's a lot of good stuff in there um, and I like the dreams, the musical kind of treatment of it. Uh, Like, it's a good song, as Dave says. Mm -hmm. But then, like, he doesn't get the tone quite right in places and his conversations are, when he's, you know, when he's talking from the point of view of his dead friend, a lot of what he has to say is just like, well, you're doing great, man. And I just met Kurt Cobain and he really loves your music, which is such a weird thing to say in this kind of song. It is. And right, even when he's is. talking from the like killer's point of view, he's dropping in puns that your man who's like supposed to be in this real confessional, oh, it's weighing heavy on me. Like tonally, it just doesn't work because he wouldn't be saying that. So I just think the execution doesn't quite work because I don't think he's mature enough as a writer yet to quite fully nail it. So I like, they're like this is a very ambitious record, Colm, as you said, um, but I think his ideas and the overall kind of outline sketches were bigger than maybe the thought put into the kind of minute details. So when it's that grand kind of idea and some things are out of whack with it, it kind of knocks the whole thing off kilter for me. So I didn't think it worked. I, I mean, feel, Yeah, but I feel like we're looking at like... It's unfair to call them sketches because they're not sketches, especially because he scrapped an entire record and then put this one out. Yeah. But I do feel like we're looking at the first draft of someone who could potentially be great. This is exactly... I think he will be. I really think he's going to be something special. Yep, me too. And, like, this is the thing. I wonder if he kind of did that somewhat intentionally because if you look back to when he was working on that first record, that was around the time that, like, he was very vocal politically. 
about Trump and and uh, the election campaign. He was up. There's like, a nice uh, there's a nice fuck Bill O'Reilly on this record. Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> Which is was a change. You were talking about him like dissing other rappers like Macklemore. That was an initially Lil Yachty, and then Jay Z was like, "Do you really want to say that?" And he's like, "Yeah, I shouldn't just be insulting other young black men." And call, he changed it. To call him what I said. It fuck Lil Yachty because yeah. you hate you hate Lil Yachty. <laughs> Lil Yachty, Dave McSavage, get in the sack. What a list. Um, get in the sack. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry, what? I'm going to beat the stack, sack with a stick. Sorry, what? I should have explained. Let's that. get back to the record. Yeah, um, but you know, like he was protesting, like the same Coleman's rap album. I'm going to beat the sack with a stick. The North Dakota pipeline. Yeah. He was protesting that. Um, you know, he was on Larry Wilmore's show calling out Justin Timberlake for cultural. It's like the day you interviewed him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually the day before. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that. But for all of that. Then he scrapped the album, and I wonder if that would have been a full-blown political record that he felt, you know what, I'm a nobody. Me saying this isn't really going to land. At least now, I feel like he's somewhat primed it so that if he does come out with that record in a year's time or two years' time, people are going to know what they're dealing with an awful lot more. Yeah, and we like we have parts of that kind of, you know... Like that outlook, it closes with "We Could Be Free," mm-hmm. what the record proper does, and there's a lot of kind of good stuff in there. But you do feel the absence of that kind of commentary running through it out the album, I think, because it's kind of like why are we picking up these treads? Yeah. I mean, it I mean, is like the autobiography, so you're getting songs about him cheating on his missus and like almost comedy things where he goes a bit shaggy. He's and actually he, quite funny though. He is, but. I mean, a lot never of this go, stu- never go full shaggy. Never go full shaggy. <laughs> I mean, you know, so he's not always the most likable dude on on a lot of this. Uh, he gets by because of problematic. Songs. No, not even problematic, but just like like a song like Home Record. It's got it's got a great kind of like twisted guitar thing. Yeah, has Weezer on it. He was talking about how like I mean, he's kind of a rock hit himself. Oh so this yeah, was a massive Dead deal Kennedy's references yeah. and, and shit. It's good fun, and there's like there's funny lines in there. But you're kind of like, well, you're not actually saying anything about yourself on this you're just kind of saying oh well she was trashing the gaffers and she's a bit crazy true and true enough it's but you know problematic what? but I'm just like oh it's a bit one dimensional like yeah you know. I mean I mean, at the same time that there's enough sort of inner kind of ponderances in the first two tracks particularly which are you know immediately before yeah. home record um, and, and elsewhere but throughout the album you know put it this way like there are a few enough stones left unturned whether that's a good thing or a bad thing you know, is up for debate, but uh, you look like down for some ignorance, which is kind of that's a fun song. Oh, it's it's it a great yeah. song. It's a lot of fun, but like it's also like it's got an edge to it. That is a song about like you know violence in Chicago and blah blah blah. Now it's nowhere near. Yeah, by fun I should clarify. I mean like it's it's enjoyable to listen to, yeah. particularly on headphones, listener. <laughs> yeah, but like uh, but like I mean I mean he had a song in his EP called Sixteen Shots, which was a balls out takedown of like police brutality in shooting some innocent dude 16 times and like that was overtly political and that was real heart on sleeve stuff which he hasn't done here and again I've got to figure that that's an intentional choice. You've got the throwaway pop as well. You got like tracks like "Gorgeous," "Rolling Like a Stoner," mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, which I don't like either. I'm not a big fan of <laughs> either. I, I, "Rolling Like a Stoner" is a way better song than its title suggests. Oh, it is better than the title suggests, but it's also just it's very threadbare. And I'm much more interested in the less threadbare stuff in this record. I mean, like "Wings," yeah. for example, does a similar Wings job. Is a standout, but it's you know Pharrell yeah. Williams and Saul Williams both doing great things in it as well. It is yeah. a standout. Uh, "Coffee and Cigarettes," I'm kind of down with it. I quite like. I mean, this this is indie balladry, really, isn't a it? Lot of clunkers on it though yes there are but again I, I, I like that his flaws are kind of 
you know, front and center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I, that that kind of gives me a bit of a grounding as to him as an artist, and I like that. It's the rare, like, if I'm coming away from record saying that, like, you know, I appreciate some of the flaws, well, then that should tell you that it's worth listening Absolutely. to. Absolutely, yeah. And on that note, I'm awarding him a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I will go 7.5. Uh, I'll go 6. Okay. I think, yeah. Because you, you hate closure and grieving over your friends, mate. <laughs> and, and human growth, <laughs> personal progression. I do, yes. And rapper's name, Vic. Still <laughs> a, a record worth checking out. Uh, before we go any further, I want to uh, mention the new Dizzy Rascal record, which I forgot to do in the hustle and bustle of last week's episode. Um, it's called Rascal, and it's really good. It's kind of strange at times but entirely working balance of kind of like his grime roots and I suppose something a little shinier and US tinged in terms of production Uh, his flow is as good as it has been since Boy in the Corner and that's I don't even know when that was released. Is that 15 years 2003. ago? 2003? Yeah, that's... Yeah, oh, my God. I'm so old. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, he's, he sounds fantastic. It's a great record. So, I haven't heard it yet, but when we reviewed the single that came out, you were kind of saying that that was him effectively kind of, like, holding up a sign saying, like, I've been here, lads, I've done yeah. this. Does he take back the crown? <laughs> is he trying to? I don't think he's trying to. No, okay, I don't okay. think he's trying to. I, I, uh, there isn't enough all-out grime sound in terms of the production or in the content for this to be a sort of a, an actual effort at the crown or whatever. I well, think he's not trying to get like top of the charts with a really annoying <laughs> pop song. That's, that's the thing. He's also moved way past the sort of like bonkers dance with me holiday period Good. or whatever. He doesn't need to do that anymore. Yeah. He genuinely, he sounds like the guy who's actually kind of like out the other side now. He can kind of do what he wants. He's the veteran. He calls his own shots. Um, Good. Yeah, pays off on this record. Uh, I've been listening to Peter Parrott's new album, How the West Was One, which is, uh, Peter Parrott was the guy that was like the, the vocalist, um, main songwriter in The Only Ones um, years back. He's been a full-blown junkie for decades. Um, Can not use that word, mate? It's great. He, no, he uses it himself. I think it's he he's full-blown He should have, like this guy was like, he should have addict been gone we sh- That's the political correct thing, though. I don't mean. Ah, we look, we, we still. I'm just saying. Right I'm just like, look. <laughs> this is me, like you know, being like. I can't you know, drink myself a cunt early. <laughs> don't start this is, this, is, this is diplomacy corner with <laughs> oh, Dave Hanrady. All right, but okay. if he refers to himself, he that does. Way, he does. Context. Full, full blown addicts. <laughs> context is everything. That's all I'm saying. He was in a bad way for a long time. Ten years ago, he was hanging out with Pete Doherty, and he made Pete Doherty look like he was in great shape. Um, no. And somehow he's been clean for about five years, I think, and made a really, really good album. <laughs> he's like totally just transformed his life. Um, he's always had a great melodic kind of knack. Um, some of the lyrics are really funny on it. It's amazing, like considering what he's been through, that this is such a, a kind of accomplished rock record. It's well worth a listen. Okay. Also well worth a listen is the new Passion Pit record. They're back. I should say. <laughs> well, they're not. They're gone again. Well, this is the thing. I well, mean, there's a lot to talk about here. In terms, okay, the new Passionate record is called Tremendous Sea of Love. I believe it's the fourth album. Yes. And so. Michael Angelakos, is that how you pronounce his surname? So. He's close. he's the front man, the kind of, you know, the mastermind behind Passion Pit in general. A very interesting figure. Um, very forthcoming about his mental health struggles. And as a result of that, he gave a statement recently where he said that he needs to stop making music for a while because he thinks the music industry is very detrimental to the mental health of musicians, particularly him. He said it nearly killed him, was the way that he put it. He clarified afterwards when fans were kind of concerned, saying that, you know, I'm not going on hiatus, Passion Pit is still a project. I just want to 
see I, I want to operate differently within the industry than, than I've been doing up to this point because he doesn't like the pressures that come with making records and having to go on tour and yeah. not, not looking after yourself which obviously we talked about Bieber on the last episode it is a thing and yeah. for an indie musician like Passion Pit it's obviously not as skyscraping thing as it will be for someone like a Justin Bieber but I, I think it's a step in the right direction for musicians he set up a project to kind of facilitate musicians in, in better ways and stuff so with, with regards to the record Tremendous Sea of Love uh, yeah I mean like it's a passionate bit record, so you know what you're getting in terms of that kind of glitchy pop sound that's in there. Um, you got some abstract musings, which do and don't work. You get very forthright lyrics, which do and don't work. And the record itself does and doesn't work. And, you know, like, but that's, I mean, I, I, I gotta say, I mean, he's got a song on the second record, Gossamer, called Where We Belong. And I mentioned before on the show, and when I'm not in a good place myself, I find that to be a very good song to go to. And as it happens, not to get too into it, but like I'm not in a good place right now, and this record came along at a good time because I actually found myself really, really tuning into this, and I was very appreciative of what he had to say and how he said it, and I think that it's great that he's still doing so. And I was, yeah, I, I, I kind of needed this album this week, and there's a part on it which it's funny because he goes for like a real, um, he goes for a real cliche moment on it where he basically plays a voicemail from his mother. Which, you know, that's on Blonde, yeah. Frank Ocean, although I don't think it's his mother. It's on a bunch of stuff, and it can be very, like, you know, hit and miss. But it works in the context of, like, the, the voicemail is so immaterial. There's, like, no, almost nothing to it, and it really captures the idea of, like, checking in with your parents when you when neither of you have anything to say to each other. Yeah. Not that I'm trying to infer that he doesn't have anything to say to his mother, but, like, he said to himself that, like, he listened to it after dodging listening to it. And then thought, you know what, it'll work on the record. And it works as a full stop in one of the tracks. He's got a song about his ex-wife, because he was married for a while, and then he came out yeah, in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came out on the Brady Snellis podcast, which, to be fair, if you're going <laughs> to... That's how you do it. If you're, if, if, you're, if you're an indie musician with some, you know, like, with, with some notions. Uh, no, the No Encore podcast is where you should be doing it. Okay, let's not yeah. bully someone into their, you know... Like, let's, let's not get into strange yeah, territory Don't be pushing here. people away. We want them here. This is a safe space. <laughs> the point is... This is a passion pit record with all the bells and whistles and the flaws that come with that. It it works in its own way. It works for him. That's how he kind of said. Am I right in saying that this album like was actually kind of semi released a couple of months ago? He started sending it to people on Twitter if they like retweeted something. About the he was doing kind of strange things with it. Like who was it? Avatar recently. He, he didn't he like you know like send the, the oh sorry about the jigsaw thing. yeah the jigsaw yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah I think he like he posted up lyrics in kind of weird fashions and stuff yeah like, but he's he's very artful I mean like, yes. like yeah, yeah. and Passion Bill were always a very artful kind of project we were going to review it on the show but we didn't in the end and like at one point Craig was like were they ever really big and I, I, I mean like that first I record, can remember back in the day Craig's Craig, Craig's the real curmudgeon of this episode yeah, what's <laughs> happening <laughs> I'm usually so sunny but yeah like they came out with like you know like the like Sleepyhead was massive Sleepyhead and, like, little secrets from that record Mott's as well Wings. like there's there's some one of those there. songs was big yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sleepyhead was massive I can. I never was I thought they were you know decent but I just thought to do two records but, but I will yeah, say with this record I mean like, you know, this is very much I think this is a very much like you know you gotta be in the right frame of mind for it mm-hmm. which from my point of view this week wasn't a great frame of mind but like I could listen to this record in six months and be like this is fucking awful <laughs> like, I, I, like, like I could we'll revisit it but, like, but, but at the same time I mean like I like the fact that he's managed to create a world that is very independent very honest and yeah he's he, he did something really fucking important with this one I think so well done keep at it don't Sweet. stop uh, that's the show we are almost at the end of the show uh, one more mention for the live show if uh, you just weren't paying attention in the first couple of minutes uh, we will be at definitely be switched on now September 28th uh, over here the Albatross Dahi and Elaine May all playing uh, tickets via Ticketmaster.ie it's part of the Dublin Podcast Festival it's going to be an amazing night hopefully see you there and one of those guests supplies our exit music for this week that's correct well, you know, kind of. 
We talk about Dahi on this show mm. every now and Raph then. Rapscallion. Rapscallion. He's not allowed back on the show, I've decided. Why? Apart from the, the live show. the nicest man. <laughs> we'll see. But for now, he has provided us, uh, and just us, it's not like it was mass released or anything. No. Uh, Bantam, also a friend of the show, who provides our intro music, mm-hmm. fittingly, Move, from the record of the same name from last year. Dahi has done a remix, as he is wont to do. Which of, features Rusangana family. Yeah, Feel Your Rhythm featuring Rusangana family and, and Sunita. This is a... I believe Dahi himself said it's like the Avengers of Irish music, except yeah. good. I was also considering that, like, can you ever think of a song that we would, like, cut more friendships if we shot on it? <laughs> hey, we're not reviewing <laughs> we're it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not reviewing it, we're just playing it. <laughs> like, we're going to the pub now and we can say anything. Nonetheless, my name is Dave Hanready. This has been the Encore. There will be no Encore. And this is Bantam via Dahi. Via Rissingana family, via Sunita, it's called Feel Your Rhythm. I forgot the name of the song. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good, though, I swear. One. It's really good. Listen to it. Bye. See ya. Shoes, same heads, different venue, same beef, different menu. I got the power to inspire and offend you. Pray to God that the music will affect you and that the stories will reflect you. And although we've never met, I respect you. And it seems the closer to you, the more distance. Not saying it don't hurt, but putting in that work, growing pains. Even the ledge got window pain. I got tired of that one direction, like Zane. So watch out for bitterness and all his friends. Right next to envy, like Charlemagne. Charlemagne. You understand the words coming out my mouth, like rush hour. We couldn't rush our entrance. I know you're only here for the flow and the cadence. One day you realize that the power's in every sentence. That even in a drought, you flood my mentions. I don't wanna slide in DMs unless they're dark mountains, like a pillars in place that safety. When I say queens in a place, I ain't talking about Nas or Nori. I'm talking about my mom and my lady. I told myself in a quest for wholesale Don't lose yourself cause it's not 8 mile I wanted to compress myself but I'm no zip fam All the while I just wanna make you smile I know you're not next to me But at least now I know that you're closer to me You related to me and that's blessed to me If you wanna take the edge off dance with me let me feel your rhythm. Someone who can face like this. Somebody to snare my beats. Someone who can face like this. Somebody to snare my beats. Someone where the angle, no innuendo. Someone who can face like this. Somebody to snare my beats. Someone who can face like this. Somebody to snare my beats. Someone where the angle, no innuendo. Someone who can face like this. Somebody to snare my beats. Someone who can face like this. Somebody to snare my beats. Someone where the angle, no innuendo. Somebody just made my beats. Someone who can face like this. Somebody just made my beats. Someone where the angle. You can find me with one fist up in the air in the black power stains every time I try to dance with somebody or myself. So awkward, though I couldn't clock it. Stepping backwards till I penetrate the exit. Come back with a glass of water in my hands. Pretending I'm drinking something that's foul. I'm the best drunk dancer you never found. Cause my feet so smooth when I'm lean, but I'm not. This is my props. This is my mask. This is my excuse to get lead to the max. This is my fuel to get lead like a match. That's when CIA couldn't fight my match. In my eyes, CIA, every record on track. Trying to track my records, you with High scores that I carry like Mariah Like all I want for Christmas <laughs>
Some who can dance like this Somebody to smear my beats Some who won't get my feet in a tango While we do the tango, no matter the angle No innuendo, watch where your hands go On my heart, can you feel the tempo? The whole party yelling, ooh, 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 stop I'm trying to get my engine on, my Prince on, my James Brown, my Swayze on and on the floor, my groove on, this favorite song on mine, on mine, my boy was when we broke in ground, and brought the fun to echelons, you only saw in movies until we came along, I digress, this was all supposed to be about you and I, spin around, let's uncover the truth now. Someone who can dance like this, somebody to snare my beats, someone who can dance like this, somebody to snare my beats, someone play the angle, no innuendo, Somebody just near my beats, someone who can dance like this. Somebody just near my beats, someone where they can go, no innuendo. Someone who can dance like this, somebody just near my beats. Someone who can dance like this, somebody just near my beats. Someone where they can go, no innuendo. Someone who can dance like this, somebody just near my beats. Someone who can dance like this, somebody just near my beats. Someone where they can go, no innuendo. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU... Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.